Yeah, thank you, band, for your leading us in worship every week. Thank you, tech team. That wasn't an intentional light show earlier. It was an unintentional light show, but they, they, got, it, they got it going. Uh, we have camera operators, video switcher, people greeting, people cleaning. There are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make this happen. Um, so would you give them a round of applause, everybody serving during the season? Um, I am grateful. We are grateful for that. And uh, today, if you weren't with us last week, we are continuing in a sermon series that we kicked off just last week on the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of, your sp- of the Spirit or something, if you're not familiar, uh, we find in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And last week as we, as we kicked things off, we talked about how the, this list that Paul gives to us, these are things that all of us desire deep down inside of us, Right? But not only are they things that we desire deep down inside of us, this is who God desires us to be. And we also talked about how we can't just manufacture these things on our own. We can't just think positive thoughts and then all of these fruit just just come into our lives. Instead, these fruit are the organic outgrowth of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit at work in each of us. Or another way we put it is that the Holy Spirit's presence and power produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. And last week, as we kicked things off, we talked about the very first fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and how this makes sense because really the Christian life is about the love of God through Jesus Christ flowing to us, and then the love of God flowing through us to other people. And this morning, we're going to continue in this series, and we're going to look at the second fruit of the Spirit, which is, which is joy, which is Joy, and each week we're going to be looking at a different one because this list that Paul gives us is not just a random list of words. I mean, this list, if you think about it, is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And this is the character of Christ that God wants inside of each of us. And so when we look at Scripture, really from beginning to end, we find images of joy all over the place. I mean, we read a psalm at the beginning of worship, and there's many psalms that are psalms of joy. God's people, the Israelites, they had festivals, and some of the festivals were festivals of joy. And then, in the fullness of time, after after God's people had awaited so long for a Messiah, a Savior, I don't know if you remember, we read this passage at Christmas every year, what the angel said to the shepherds. Do you remember? The angel said this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And the angel makes clear that with the coming of Jesus into this world comes joy. And as we look at Jesus's life, I mean, we see joy all over the place. Think about his first miracle. It was at a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and he turned water into wine so that the joyous festivities could continue. He told parables, And in some of the parables about the lost coin, lost sheep, lost son, when those lost things were found, there was joy. And there were celebrations, not only on earth, but also 
in heaven. One day Jesus' disciples went out and they did ministry. They saw the Holy Spirit working in power. They came back and Jesus, he looked up to heaven and he prayed with joy, Luke tells us. And then in John chapter 16, just before he was going to the cross, Jesus sat down his disciples and he told them this about joy. He said, truly I tell you, soon you will weep while the world rejoices. He was telling them that soon I'm going to be crucified and there's going to be crowds that are going to rejoice and be ecstatic. But then he says this, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He was telling them that after he rises from the dead, that they will experience joy. And that's exactly what they experienced. As they met the resurrected Christ, as they saw his wounds, as they ate a fish breakfast on the beach with him, as they walked with him, as they talked with him, they experienced great joy through his resurrection. And and in scripture, we read that they returned to Jerusalem full of joy. And then if you were with us during earlier this year, we were studying the book of Acts. We looked at Acts chapter 2 when they were all in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit falls on them. And what's one thing that they experience? Joy. They were so joyful, people said, it's 8 a.m. It's too early to be drunk. But they were dancing. They were shouting. They were filled with joy, And as the early church continues, what we discover is this movement, this movement that's full of the power of the Holy Spirit, that's based on the resurrection of Christ. They are a movement of joy spreading all across the world. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians that we read from earlier, he, he also tells us this in Romans chapter 14. He says this, The kingdom of God isn't a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying that God's kingdom, a lot of times we think, okay, righteousness, but he said, no, no, no. God's kingdom is also all about joy. Joy is a sign of God's kingdom. And then in Philippians chapter four, he writes these words. Will you read these with me? Uh, If you're in the room or you can read them online in your bed or wherever you're at. Uh, Philippians chapter four, let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Over and over again, Paul writes about joy. And it's because of the witness of the scriptures and the witness of other Christians' lives that there are are two quotes uh, a couple guys said about joy that I want to share with you this morning. And and the first is this. It's a a French priest, and I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. But he wrote this. He said, joy is the infallible proof of the presence of God. Joy is the infallible sign or proof of the presence of God. And then Billy Graham said this, that a negative, joyless Christian is a contradiction in terms. How about that if you need to make it plain today? A negative, joyless Christian is a contradiction in terms. And all week as I've been studying about joy, reading about joy throughout the scriptures, diving deeper into what it means, I've come back to this one question. If joy is so essential to the Christian life, why is it so often missing from our lives? If joy is so essential to the Christian life, why is it so often missing from our lives? And I say that as someone who, you know what, people don't often go around and say, Pastor Jonathan's just so full of joy all the time. A lot of times I, I struggle to rejoice always. I mean, think about your own life over the last six months. If you were to sum it up in a word... 
Would your word be joy? Maybe despair? Maybe rest? Maybe dislocation? I, I don't know what your word would be, but most of us wouldn't say, hey, you know what? This last six months, we've just been filled with joy. And I mean, I think if you just polled Americans and said, hey, would you give us 25 words that describe Christians in America today? Give us 25 words to describe the church. I don't, I don't know if joy would actually make the top 25. Joy is so often missing from our lives. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you three reasons why I think it's missing from our lives because I think if we're able to look at some of the reasons why it's missing, then maybe we can also learn how we can experience it in our lives as well. And so one of the first reasons I think joy is often missing in our lives is because of the constant connectedness we have to the culture around us. I think joy is missing because of the constant connectedness to the culture around us. And I mean, if you had to describe our culture in in a word, I I don't know that anybody would say joy, right? You might say division, you might say negativity, you might say snark, you might say sarcasm, but joy wouldn't make the list. I mean, if you turn on the news, you don't hear many good news stories, you don't hear much about joy. That's because advertisers don't really like that. Bad news and fear sell and make money. And Facebook actually did an internal study in 2018 because they they were seeing what was out there and just the division that was happening among people. So they did an internal study, and here's what they concluded. Our algorithms exploit the human brain's attraction to divisiveness. If left unchecked, the report warned, Facebook would feed users more and more divisive content in an effort to gain user attention and increase time on the platform. I, I don't know that they did much with the results of the study. But I mean, you know, if you look on your social media feeds, if you turn on the TV, if you, if you just think about uh, kind of what we communicate to one another in the world, right? There's a lot of negativity. There is largely a lack of joy. So what do we do about that? Well, I think one of the, the, the simplest things we can do is instead of being constantly connected to the culture around us, it's to connect to something else. And so uh, I had a great example of this in my house during the month of September. My wife, Emily, she was just kind of getting fed up with the negativity and everything in the world. And she realized, you know what, a lot of this social media and stuff's bringing me down. So she said, Jonathan, in September, I'm going off social media. And I was like, wow, okay, good luck. And, uh, and she did it. She deleted the apps off of her phone. And the minutes that she was spending on social media, instead, she, she found a Bible plan to read through the Gospels the accounts of Jesus' life in 30 days in September. And so she began to do that. She began to connect to something else. And as she did, I, I saw the change in her. I saw more joy. I saw more peace. I, I, I saw more love as she connected to something different. Now, I'm not saying everybody in here needs to do a social media fast, but maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you need to fast from something else. Maybe it's the news. Maybe it's certain relationships. But, but here's the thing. When we're constantly connected to things that are negative, that are divisive, that are driving us away from God, the solution is to connect to something else. And Jesus in John 15, he, he, 
He told his disciples this exactly. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you remain connected to me, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And one theologian said this, Christian joy is essentially the enjoyment of communion or the enjoyment of connection with God. And when we are constantly connecting to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through many different ways, it's then that the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows in us and we bear fruit like love and like joy. So, so that's one reason I, I think a lot of us don't experience joy in this world. But I think another one is, is that we think joy isn't really possible for us. I mean, we look at the world, we look at the pain, we look at the injustice, we look at everything going on, and we think, you know what, joy isn't really possible with my current circumstances. And so we lay in bed at night or maybe during the day, and, and we think, you know what, if I, if, I just, if I just had that house, then I would be joyful. If I just had a different job, if I just had a different spouse, if I just had a a kid who would act right. If I, if I just had money in my bank account, if I just had these different things, and it's different for all of us, we think then I would experience joy. But when we do that, the problem with that is that, that we're confusing joy with happiness. And happiness is an emotion that, that a lot of us are used to feeling at different times. And it's an emotion we experience when, when things are going our way, when we're getting what we desire and we feel like, you know, stuff is on, on track. We, we feel fulfilled and we feel happy. And as you know, sometimes you feel happy, sometimes you, you feel down or depending on, on your circumstances. But joy is something different. Joy is something deeper. Joy is something in the soul. And you can actually feel joy and sadness at the same time. You can actually have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances or even if your life isn't what you always dreamed it would be. And the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. I mean, when he wrote those words we read earlier, rejoice, I say it again, rejoice, he didn't write them from Playa Mujeres in Mexico or something. He wrote them from prison. He wrote them from prison not knowing if he was going to live another month or another year. But even as he was writing letters from prison about joy over and over again, he let people know, hey, despite my circumstances, I still have joy. So how could someone who was flogged, who was beaten, who was shipwrecked, who was in prison, how could he have joy? Well, he had joy because his joy wasn't connected to his circumstances. Instead, his joy was connected to Jesus. And he knew that through Jesus Christ that he was unconditionally loved. He knew that God sent Jesus Christ into the world for him and for Jews and for Gentiles and that there was nothing that could separate him from the love of God. He knew that to be a present reality no matter where he found himself. And he also knew that no matter what people did with his body, no matter whether he suffered, no matter whether, whether he was sick, no matter 
whether he was crucified just like Jesus, he knew that in the life to come, he, like Christ, would have a resurrected body and he would live with God's family forever. And that gave him joy. He knew that he had a family of faith. He knew that the Holy Spirit was living in him and the Holy Spirit's power living and reigning within him produced joy in him. And when we're able to come to this place like Paul and realize that joy is connected with Jesus and that we are loved, that Jesus gave himself for us, that we have a future, that we have a family through God, we too can experience joy no matter the circumstances going on, even if there are things that we wouldn't choose in our own lives. So I think that's the second reason a lot of us struggle with joy. And I think a third reason is, is, is it's more simple. It's not that complicated. I think a third reason why we don't often experience joy is because we are busy and we're forgetful people. I mean, a lot of us wake up, we think about what's on our to-do list or on our calendar, and we run from this, we run to that, we, we get gas, we do this stuff on our list, and then... We're stressed about things, and then we go to bed thinking about it all. Then we wake up again the next morning, and we just kind of continue the cycle over and over again, and it feels like Groundhog Day. And one of the reasons we don't have joy is because we're not taking time to slow down, stop, and remember God's goodness in our lives. But when we slow down, stop, and remember God's goodness and all that he's done for us, it's then that joy begins to come into our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, in Greek, there's an interesting thing that happens when you look at these words. So the Greek word for, for joy is, is kara. The Greek word for grace is charis. And the Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharisteo. And so we see in the Greek that they're, they're all kind of connected and I think that actually points out to the connection that they have in our lives as well. That, that God's grace comes to each of us. That every good gift in our life is something that, that we haven't earned, we haven't deserved. It's a gift from God. So God's grace comes to us. And then if we respond with thanksgiving to God for those good gifts, then what do we experience? Joy. Grace. Thanksgiving. Joy, as we live in this pattern and we reflect and remember God's grace, we give thanks for it, then joy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives. And this is why worship is so important. Whether you're in here, whether you're online, whether you're watching this a week from now, worship is so important because what we're doing is, is we're taking time out of the world. We're taking a day of the week. We're slowing down and we're stopping and we're saying, God, we know there's a lot going on in the world, but we are going to come here. We are going to receive your grace. We're going to reflect on your grace. We're going to sing about your amazing grace. And we're going to give you thanks. We're going to give you thanks through prayer, through, through, through offerings, through singing, we're going to give you thanks in all these different ways. And what happens is as we remember God's grace, as we give thanks, then joy begins to fill our lives. But sometimes as church people, I mean, it can be easy to like do this one day a week. But the truth is that God wants us to do this every single day of our lives. To reflect on his grace, receive his grace, give thanks. 
and experience joy no matter what we're going through. And so this morning, we, we have a, a, a small little gift for everybody. Um, it's called a joy jar. Anybody ever seen one of these before? Uh, a joy jar? Well, great. This is an amazing invention that's not that complicated. Um, the instructions are inside, but, but we actually have one of these for every family at the exits. And, and what this is, is, this is just a tool to help you do that. And so what, what you do each day is you just take some slips of paper, and at the end of each day, you reflect on your day and remember something that you're grateful for in your life. Maybe it's the forgiveness of God. Maybe it's that, you know what, you, you got the parking spot at the hospital and you didn't have to walk a thousand feet. I, I don't know what it is. It can be something simple. It can be something profound. You write down one thing you're grateful for. If you live with other people, you share with them what it is you're grateful for, and then you put it in the jar. And then we want to challenge you to do this for the next couple of months, and then on Thanksgiving, to pull out all the slips of paper and to remember, to give thanks for all the good gifts in your life and and to experience joy. And so it's something real simple. It's at the exit doors. You can grab one. If you're watching online, go to our contact page on the website. We'll, we'll get it to you, or you can make your own. But as we do this, what I think you'll find is that joy is possible in our world today. I think what you'll discover is that Jesus wants to bring joy into your life and into your family's life. And I think what will happen is as you begin to reflect on God's grace give thanks, and experience joy, what you'll begin to discover is that you'll begin to reflect Jesus to the world as well. And so in closing, I thought I'd share with you a few things from my jar. I got started early this week. And so the first thing on my list is the weather. Anybody else grateful for the weather? Not the tornado watch, but you know, I did this the other day. I'm grateful for the weather. I love the fall. I love the leaves. And it just reminds me that God is the creator of, of, of the world. And I, I, I love that. And that brings me joy being in, being in this weather. The second one is worship. Last week, we had an awesome time kicking it off. We're still working out the kinks and figuring things out. But I am grateful that we can gather together as God's people in, in many different ways. And then the third one's a little more specific. I'm grateful to Katie Moat. Some of y'all know Katie. So last year about this time, Katie invited one of her co-workers to worship named Rachel. Rachel invited her friend named Patrick. Uh, since then, they've grown closer to Jesus, connected with him, and now they're engaged and I'm doing their wedding in a few weeks. And yeah, shout out, shout out. <laughs> and it brings me joy to watch people grow closer to Jesus, to connect with the body of Christ and to experience his grace. And so this morning as we close, I wanna invite you to to bow your heads in prayer. And I want to just take a moment of reflection. Slow down and to pause. And I wanna invite you to Reflect and remember a a moment of grace 
in your life this past week. Or think about something that you're grateful to God for that God has sent into your life. James tells us that, that God is the giver of every good gift. So I want you to think about one specific thing in your life this week. And if you would, if you would you'd put your hands out in front of you with your, your palms facing up in a posture of receiving. And I just want us to, to thank God together for his grace and for his good gifts in our lives. Because as, as we do that, we receive, we receive back joy. So Heavenly Father, we... We offer to you all these things that are on our hearts and minds today. God, we know that that we have strayed from what you desire for us. We have walked a different path. We have run from you and for your will for our lives. God, we have often gratified our fleshly nature. But God, we thank you that even so that you are gracious to us. We thank you that you are quick to forgive. We thank you that you give us good gifts even though we we haven't earned or deserved them. And so God, this morning, we thank you first and foremost for your son, Jesus Christ, for his life, for his death, and for his resurrection. And we thank you for the joy that he brings. And God, for all of these other things right now, we thank you for them. And as we're in the spirit of receiving, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come down right now and fill us afresh, fill us anew. Or God, maybe if there are people here who who have never received your son into their lives, God, maybe today they would say, you know what, I I want Jesus. I want this joy that Jonathan is talking about. And God, we pray that, that they would believe and they would receive Jesus today and that you would help us to all be filled with your Holy Spirit. God, thank you. Thank you for your love and for your grace. And we offer all of these words to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.